0: Is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman I'm so glad that so many of you well, you take time out of your schedule to to listen to this program, either on radio or even as a podcast. Well, today the program is going to be a little bit different. You can tell by the way it opened if you're a regular listener. We have a slightly different topic to to deal with today. and It's not an easy one at times for many. The issue of life, we've talked about it in recent weeks on this program, even the daily version of the program, and, and how life has been cheapened, how life is not valued as it once was. And we understand a lot of people face some difficulties in their life when it comes to to having a child, you know, for women in this day and age. The pressure is there, you know, to have the two family income, the two career incomes that are needed to to survive. I was thinking the other day, knowing some family members that are having to make some changes in their life. And the cost of living today is, well, it's not what it was when I was coming along. There was a time that a husband could provide a sufficient income for himself, his wife, and his children. And sometimes we're talking two or three, and sometimes even more children. I I can remember as a young child living in Long Island in a town called Hicksville, which is pretty good size now. It had once been a farming community back in the latter part of the 1800s. And on my street, we had several families that had a large number of children. Yet it was only the father that worked. And the mother stayed home to take care of the home, the house, and raising of the children. And I also know these families sacrificially did all they could to have their children in a private Christian school all done on a one income. Well, you can't do that today, I understand it. And, th- and that's a problem that at some point needs to be dealt with. Our expectations have become extremely high. The cost of things, outrageous. And, and we have so much of our income here in the United States and I know it's the same around the world. Governments take a tremendous amount of income and, and redistribute it to other people oftentimes people that don't want to work I want to start the program today by the way I have a guest coming up in a few minutes I'll be introducing but I want to take just a few moments to to share a true story and and maybe this will give you some insight on the way I think and why I believe the things that I do you got to go back a number of years ago there was a young gal and she was raised in a family with two brothers. And when she was 10 years old, her her mother passed away from some kind of cancer. And, And it put the father in a real tailspin. She was about 10 years of age when her mom died and the brothers were like, you know, 14 and almost 16. And the father was in such a bad way that he had to send his children temporarily to kind of an orphanage, a place where children could stay while he was trying to get his emotional life back together. It was very devastating for him. In time, he had the kids come back and he remarried and life began to become somewhat normal but there was some there was some division between the stepmother and the children, and so that became an issue in that household. The older boys were quickly becoming of age, and as they turned 17, they each joined the military and and left the nest. And that left the younger one, now at age 12 or 13, once again having to go back to this orphanage because there was just such a disruption in the household until the two of till the father and and his new bride called it quits and she moved on then this young girl came home but in many ways she was somewhat you know not feeling at home anymore and she loved her brothers one of the brothers had served in the military and had decided to to live out west, and she wrote him a letter and and said, "Gee, you know, I, I need to really start a, a fresh new life for myself." And so the brother invited her to live with him and his new wife out west, and, and so there she went at the age of seventeen, heading out west to start a new life for herself. And she she found work, and she enjoyed what she was doing, and she even met a nice guy. And she was so determined to, to build a home, and the kind of home that she had missed growing up because of what had happened in the loss of her mother. And so she did everything in her power to entice this young guy that she met to, to marry her. She ended up getting pregnant which was actually her plan. And when her brother found out, it was at a time when her her boyfriend had to be out of town for an extended time because he too was in the military and he was sent away for several months. And it was during this time that the the brother just, you know, figured out that the his sister was pregnant and decided that she needed to go back to her dad's house and you know they needed to put an end to this you know he didn't want his his sister marrying this guy in the military and so she was sent back home and she took a long train ride to get there and there in in the spring of that year she arrived home and her father welcomed her back home, though he didn't really know what to think. There had been talk about maybe, you know, getting rid of this child, if, if at all possible. But back then, you know, abortion had not yet been legalized, so that was not an option. She was sitting outside the, the home one day and, and just kind of... Trying to understand in her mind, what is going on? You know, what am I going to do with my life? Here I am, you know, I'm pregnant. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm living back at home. I don't like it here. And I, I don't know what to do. I need help. And out of nowhere, and this is, this is a true story. Out of nowhere, this young gal appeared on, literally on her doorstep while she was sitting there and introduced herself and within a day she had moved in to take care of this woman this young gal who's just about 18 now in in dealing with this pregnancy she was not judgmental did everything she could to make her comfortable was with her in the taxi on the way to the hospital when this child was born and insisted I mean, was insistent that this child be dedicated at a church shortly after birth. This young lady kept the child for a while, and then over time, it became evident that she was not going to be able to to support and raise this baby. Now, here in today's day and age, people would be making statements like, well, you know, she should have aborted that child. You know, what what value is it? It's going to wreck her life. Well, it never did wreck her life. She got her life back later. And that child was placed for adoption. That child is me. I am the son of that woman who became pregnant and was not able to. She tried. I've learned something over the years, though. I had the opportunity in the late 1980s to do a lot of research. This is back before the internet. And I was able to find who my mother was. I did a little bit of, shall we say, detective work. It took me almost two years, and I found her. And I had the chance to meet her and my half-siblings that came later. And, And she admitted to me she was happy to find me and, and it just meant the world because she had given me up. And she talked about the intense pressure even back then, long before Roe versus Wade had been an issue. And, you know, abortion was literally illegal everywhere. You know, they had thought about that and she just didn't feel comfortable, thankfully. I mean, what did what did she know? but she did say you know had had abortion been legal back then like 20 years earlier there's a really significant chance that she would have probably probably capitulated to the pressure being placed on her in preparing for this program i was doing some research and i noticed just how biased the search engines like google are you do anything about trying to find out a perspective on abortion, everything is all pro-choice, or I should say pro-death. It is such a bias, it is absolutely overwhelming. I had to go page after page to finally get to anything. And they try to show you that, you know, churches that believe in abortion, yeah, it's, it's okay, do it. I'll be talking about that a little bit later on the program today. I do have a guest in the program, and it was suggested by somebody that listens to this program. Her name is Pat Page, and she's the executive director of the Pregnancy Center, located in the big city of Jasper, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta, north northwest of Atlanta, heading toward the mountains. And I'm sure from the work that you have done over the years with the Pregnancy Center and other pro-life organizations. What is the mindset of those who find themselves pregnant and feel they have this need for an abortion? What is the, what is the driving force in their mind?
1: I don't think most people care uh, for the most part because they have an excuse not to carry this baby to term. Their excuse can be all over the place. It can be, I don't have a support group. The boyfriend's not going to be there for me. I don't have the money. I'm in college. That's one side of the coin Mm
2: -hmm.
1: where there are there are a group of women that are pregnant that know it's a baby, but they just can't. This is not the time to have a baby and they hate it, but it's just going to have to happen. There's another group of women who what I call the feminists that are um, of the mindset that we don't care if it's a baby or not. We can do whatever the heck we want with our bodies Mm. and you're not going to tell us what to do. And even if it's born and I, I missed my abortion window or it was abortion was not successful, I don't want the baby still put it on the table. It will die. It's fine. I don't want it. So if you don't want it, it's okay to abort it or get rid of it. It's all in what the opinion of the mother is. And unless someone's there, you know, people can be there and talk to her. So she's blue in the face about it's a lie. Somebody else will adopt it. She wants to have control over her body. And what she doesn't realize is this is really not her body. This is a separate human being with separate DNA, Mm -hmm. separate blood type. She's carrying a different human being that has her DNA, but she does not and should not have a say to kill a life. So that's the big argument, you know, is I deserve to do what I want with my body. It's And it's not not in the constitution. It's not health care. It is a selfish, um, pragmatic way to get you what you want when you want it. And nobody should stop me from that. And by the way, y'all should be paying for this government. So, and you do have women that, don't want necessarily to have an abortion, but they feel they have no choice, there's that group of women as well.
0: Now explain that group. That uh, sounds, that, that those that have one but really don't want one, explain how that group works.
1: Well, we've had clients come in and they are conflicted about what they should do. You know, The law of God is written on the heart of man. Man knows right from wrong until he continues to repress the truth that God gives him. So people that have a conscience that have any sense of, of life, and a lot of the people in our demographic do have a sense of the value of life. They just either got pregnant out of wedlock and they're already married, or they have three or four kids and I don't want another one, or they don't have a support group. They want to come in and talk it out. And the last two women that came in chose life for their babies. So they were able to talk So a loving advocate and for them to say, look, you, this is possible. Let me, let me walk you through the ways we can help you. Now we can't, we can't bring you into our home and grow old with Mm -hmm. you, but we can get you started on the right foot to give life to this baby. And even if you don't believe that you can raise it and take care of it, you have given this baby life. And there are many people that would love to have an adoption or an open adoption with you. So, it kind of helps their conscience to realize I can have this child. I could place this baby in a loving home. I really don't want to kill my unborn child. So there, there are those people when we give them hope and we're going to walk through their pregnancy with them and we're going to help them find, you know, get into college and find housing and support groups. I mean, they feel like, okay, somebody's on my side. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be here for me. And you know, the government, The government offers all kinds of funding for people, but they don't offer relationships and they don't offer time spent one on one with a woman. They don't offer that. That's how we're different than just a handout. Um, We are there for you in person and we care about you.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that my wife has noticed and, and other people have said the same thing. Especially in light of the recent Supreme Court decision, which has been thoroughly misrepresented in most of the media, acting like, you know, there were people that actually thought that abortion was now illegal across the entire United States, when in fact, that was not the case at all. It went back to the states and certain states like a California, well, they're going to market the fact that they do them there. To you know, get more people to come visit California or New York or New right. Jersey, and and people don't, and and you have companies that have decided, hey, it's cheaper to send you know my th- this gal that works for us to another state for an abortion, and then we don't have to pay for her you know her time off raising uh-huh. a kid. It's become economics to uh, many businesses. Yeah, but
1: horrible. but the
0: one thing my wife has noticed in others, and and I want your take on this. Whenever you watch. Some of these uh, protests, the pro-abortion protest, the look of anger and rage in the faces of the protesters is unmistakable. It's it's, it's bitterness, it's anger, screaming rage. I demand to be able to kill my baby if I so desire, and you have to pay for it. I mean, That's it. That's it's an, it. and where does this, anger, do you, can, maybe you don't know, but if you do, where does this no, anger come
1: from? <laughs> well, they're really, they're really mad at God. I'm sorry to say, but they are mad that they don't have omniscient control over their bodies, um, that they aren't the final say. They know they they are fighting against, um, to me, what any angry person would fight against that doesn't know the Lord, they're mad at the consequences of their choices. Mm -hmm. And they have made choices. um, And they don't think about that. I don't want a baby before they ever have unprotected sex or have sex outside of marriage or just, I don't know what their sex life looks like, but they're mad that they can't do what they want to do and not get the consequences they want. And nobody should stand in the way of me getting what I want when I want it. And they're just angry because they're not getting what they want. And there are still moral, God-fearing people that believe that life begins at conception. Mm -hmm. And we are fighting for that person's life who can't fight for themselves. And they're saying, get out of my life. You have no say in my life. But we are fighting for those who have no say. And that's what we're doing. And they're mad because they don't want you in their life. They don't want God in their life. They don't want morality in their life. I mean, they're rabid out there. They are up in your face about it.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, I've and seen it. I've seen it.
1: Yeah. that is the only thing that I can think about is that they—they're afraid to lose control over what they want. They're afraid if we win that they're going to lose control over what they want, what their bodies want, you know, what they want for their bodies, what they want for their life. Um, and they're—they're they're giving no thought to another individual who they were they're pregnant or coming in. and a lot of those mm-hmm. people don't even have children don't they're not gonna have children they're just wanting rights for themselves just no in case what.
0: I mean yeah because yeah there there's some of these people that I, you're right I doubt if they they will ever have children or if they even have a husband which is doubtful in many cases right. and and there's some That's that right. just live an angry life demanding
1: and to live in duty yeah You know, you look at, there's other consequences from other sins. There's always been consequences to sin. And nobody likes the repercussions of that. Um, But, you know, that's kind of God's way of judgment in a way. And so why, you know, why take the life of another human being because you don't like the outcome? Um, And, I mean, I think that people should be, they should at least have the baby And be able to place it for adoption. I mean, I know there's maternity homes that will help you find and pregnancy adoption centers that will help you find a place Mm -hmm. for your unborn baby And once the baby's born. But the thing is, they don't want to be willing to carry a baby for nine months so somebody else can raise it. They would rather just get rid of it than give the joy to another person who can raise it. But, you know, it is such a heart matter. I'm sorry. I can't help but get back to the heart of a person that could do something like that. There's more criminal repercussions if you kill a pregnant cat, you know? I mean, if you hurt an animal. um, Oh, yeah. I just think we're we're so backwards and messed up in this country when it comes to life. But to me, it's just a result of ungodly choices, you know, ungodly lifestyles. And, you know, that's one of the um, the most recent, the most recent phone call we had the other day was, can you help me get the abortion pill? Now, you might want to say that for another later on in the mm-hmm. conversation, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where they're going now where they don't have to face anybody. They don't have to go to the clinic. They want to get the two-step um, abortion, you know, the 486 pill, which is performed um, in, in your home. And that has to be used within a certain time frame. Um, and there's so many people out there that are getting these pills. They don't even know if they have a viable pregnancy. So we say, can you at least get an ultrasound where we can see if you have a viable pregnancy? Um, you know, and then discuss your your con- have a conversation with you about it. Um, so there's there's all these pill questions out there. The the morning after pill. Mm -hmm. The um, medication abortion, and then, of course, the abortion reversal pill. So all of those are becoming highly talked about um, with girls that are pregnant. They want to know their options, and they want to know, where can I get this pill? I'll just go home and perform my own abortion. But after they take pill number one, if they decide, I really don't want to do this, they can take the abortion pill reversal, the APR, to put progesterone back in their bodies, which will a lot of times save the baby.
0: To me, this entire this entire argument was based on a court case that occurred many, many years ago, uh, which uh-huh. was in many ways a fraud in in what they were trying to state. Problem? And and so we we un we undid a wrong back in from nineteen seventy three in the Supreme Court, we've undone something, But the problem is we have still opened Pandora's box for lack of a better term nationwide, where we now have this divided country where roughly half the states, maybe not quite that many, are going to be promoting abortion to the states where that's no longer allowed. like and i I can think of many where abortions will vanish if they haven't already. But they the number of abortions hour, may not change. So. That's what I'm concerned about. Will the You're number of ab- right. it's not going to change well, anything?
1: They, no, and they might even be more frequent um, because they're going to use it as a birth control method, which is devastating to your body mm-hmm. uh, when you take chemicals like that to add progesterone, to remove progesterone, um, and to do you know do those kinds of things. It's going to be. And if, if it's available as easily as they're saying it, it's available online, of course there are procedures you have to go through. You're supposed to get a nurse to call it in for you, and you know people people can lie about how far along they are. They can lie about all kinds of things, and so I'm not a medical person, but all I can tell you is if when you if it's going to take a life of a child in your body, you imagine what it's doing to your entire system. Mm-hmm. So. It could become the birth control of the future, and they don't even have to talk to a person or pay for it, other than just pills. And that—that that to me is just—that's a sad, sad place where we are in our state right now. When you country.
0: When you look at this entire issue nationwide here in the United States, and and it's it's probably the same in any Western country though in many Western countries they've become so liberalized about it and it's so commonplace and the vo- there's not as many voices out there objecting loudly. Uh, they're, they're just minimized in the culture. How do we ever get to this point where life became so cheapened? That's the only word I can come up with. Life has become cheap. How do we get there? Well, you
1: know, I don't know if you know Fran- uh, Francis Schaefer back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. He had, I remember going to his seminar, How Should We Then Live? And he talked about the Holocaust and he talked about the value of life and he talked about um, things that are now coming true in our generation. And I just believe that when you dehumanize human life, when that happened in 1973, it became legal. All of a sudden the value for human life just took a nosedive. Whether it's older people or younger people or handicapped people or any disability, you don't have as much value as, you know, the human race, the perfect human specimen, if Mm -hmm. you will. So when you start devaluing human life, and, you know, it's kind of like I think I heard you say, this is just history repeating itself. Because if you look back in history, they decapitated children, they sacrificed them on an altar. You know, they did all kinds of things to children. There's nothing new under the sun. We are just repeating history of sacrificing our children to bail. um, You know, on, on these altars of abortion and health care and women's rights and all that sort of thing. And it's just, it's nothing more than the depravity of man is all it is. As we continue to deprave in our thinking and what we're teaching kids in school now about, you know, they can be a different person today if they want to be. And like in kindergarten, you're really not a girl. You're a boy. And you don't even know who you are and who you, what your gender is and that you're created in the image of God. That's not taught. You know, you're a precious soul created in the in the image of God and he made you what he made you and when we try to change his perfect plan for us we're messed up (laughs) and it will just ripple into devastation so to me this is just another example of where people have fallen forgetting who they are forgetting that god created us forgetting that we have value the forgetting that god can turn anything into beauty he turns You know, our sinful ways, he can use those in our life to draw us close to him. He uses everything in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the parents of these girls, especially if they're younger girls, if the parents would step up and say, what you did, you know, is wrong, but we're going to be here for you. We're going to help you and support you through this. What a difference that would make. You know, if somebody in their life, if that father, the boy that fathered that baby or People in her family, or relatives, or friends, would step up and help them. There would be a lot less abortions, yes. and I know the fight for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. You know, I, I, we believe we're the of the conviction that rape and incest. If there's a baby that's conceived from that, and it's very rare, zero point one percent of abortions are from rape and incest. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely rare. But even if that were the case, that baby has value. And I have talked to people who were a product of rape and incest, and they are so thankful that their mother chose life mm-hmm. for them. Absolutely,
0: it's absolutely. It's not their
1: fault. They didn't, That's they didn't right. choose the way they That's right. be. And is, is, God, is God make a mistake and say, whoops, I didn't mean for you to be conceived under these horrific circumstances? You don't deserve to live. But if the mother doesn't want to raise the baby that in those circumstances, I get it but somebody will gladly love your child. Um, and you know that you can live with a clear conscience knowing so you gave life, you don't bring one traumatic experience onto another traumatic experience. Yes. That is a horrible thing for a girl to live with is, I went through this trauma and now I'm gonna, you know, put my body through another trauma.
0: And my guest today is Pat Page. She's the executive director of the Pregnancy Center of Jasper, Georgia. And one of the listeners to this program had suggested that I have her on as a guest to talk about this often neglected issue of life. And I'm going to be sharing a few thoughts before the program is over today about the church and its sometimes dismal response to this issue. Matter of fact, there are many issues that the church has been Well, lethargic about, to say the least. To find out about her ministry, by the way, just, well, I've got a chance here, there's a website called babyontheway.org. That's babyontheway.org. And you can find out more about that particular ministry. If you believe in the ministry that we have here, A truth to ponder. And I know that taking on an issue like this, some people may say, well, you know, you're not getting into all those news headlines. Well, we have a lot of that coming up on the Monday program and Tuesday. I'm lining up some very intensive programs for next week to get into the news. But also, I'm really I'm really feeling strongly that one of the aspects that we are not dealing with as much on this program as we should is the spiritual implication and the spiritual side of these issues we face in the world, in our nation, in our politics, in our government, in our institutions. We can complain all we want about taxes, complain all we want about mask mandates and everything else that goes with it. But until we have a, let's just put it this way, Until our primary drive is our faith in Christ Jesus, what do we really have to offer the world? Not much. Not much. That's why this radio program is on the air, and man, we need your support. If you can keep us on the air, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? That's Ancient Word Radio, the mailing address, Truth to Ponder. 5753 Highway 85 North, that's 5753 Highway 85 North, our secure box number 3248, just number 3248. The city is Crestview, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code is 32536. Once again, Crestview, Florida, 32536. We'll take a break and be right back.
3: This is Truth to ponder with Bob Bierman. Batting a thousand coming up. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. your Jewish connection. Bring you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen ready as fast you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In baseball, there's a term called batting a thousand. It's come into life in many ways but a thousand means perfection you know you get a hit every time never strike out never never you know get 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 uh, called out nothing at batting a thousand's perfection. People, no one can do it, but batting a thousand, that's the thing. Well, we had a, a baseball team in a congregation and I decided to try to play once one game, first game, I get up to bat, I hit, I run and I did something you're never supposed to do. I slid into first base and my legs hit something and they got torn. I got cut and I'm limping and I had to be taken out of the game for the first time. And I had to be taken into a car. I was limping. That was it. Now, in baseball, they come up with averages. At the end of the year, they came up with averages, how people did and all that. And it turns out, at the I mean, 300% is real good. That's one third, you know. Even the greats, I mean, 300 something is great. But at the end of the year, they did the averages and it turned out my average was 1,000. I had batted 1,000 because I was never out. I never made a mistake because that was it, no, you know. And you know, in the Lord, you know, good comes out of bad. You know, we don't have a, if we're expecting perfection by never messing up, it's just not gonna happen. Even out of falling, good comes. Even in God, even when we fall, if we will repent and get up, it'll be good because God will work everything good out of it. So stop dwelling on the fact that you messed up or something messed up. It didn't go the way you thought. It's not perfect. In God, batting a thousand is not about never falling. It's about getting up and finishing the course. It's not about never messing up. It's about repenting, coming back, hoping, persevering. You just persevere and no matter what, my friend, you'll end up in God's grace batting a thousand want more ask for though he fall now the free gift for you the mystery of the temple doors you'll love it And sapphires free gift subscription with the riches of your jewish roots and jesus special teachings updates on israel and the secrets of strength and victory how do you get all these gifts free easy just remember jesus really name and dial it just call 1-800 yeshua 1 you will be blessed but call now 1-800 y-e-s-h-u-a 1 now, I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples of the world. It's amazing. It's the farthest way you'll ever spread the gospel. Call 1-800-YESHUA-1. one you will touch the world. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or write me direct. Here's how. it's write the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, walk with the king, my friend, and you'll bat a thousand in the name of Messiah, Or HaOlam, the light of the world.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, today we're taking on a topic that is maybe not the most interesting for some people, but it is important to understand this is such a deeply ingrained part of our modern day post-Christian culture and post-modern culture. We're coming back into recycled paganism where infant sacrifice, the idea of infanticide, giving up your firstborn to be prosperous in the world is literally coming back, even though they'll claim that, you know, that no deity has anything to do with it. But the deity of ourselves and love of self is one of the driving factors. And this desire to acquire more stuff is a driving factor. I mentioned earlier as we started the program and doing a little bit of research about abortion, you can see how Yahoo and Google and all the big, even Bing, all of the search engines are bringing you to the pro-choice side only. Everything, and then they'll say, and they'll warn you that this organization, if you get farther down, doesn't provide abortion. I mean, it's like abortion is the desired effect and we must sanctify it and codify it in law in this nation and globally. The Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord. The Bible, you know, in any denomination, and I'm gonna get to this before the end of the program today, that thinks abortion is fine by God is is an unchristian organization, period. There's no life of the Holy Spirit in those churches. And sadly, the church is very divided. You have some apostate churches that celebrate abortion, bless abortion clinics. What, in the name of Moloch? It can't be the name of an almighty God. And then you have churches that, well, they, they know it's wrong, but they don't want to get into it too much. Uh, and and they're, they're too busy with their own particular issues, like having enough money to pay the power bill. And not really... They're not really in their community. They do all of their stuff inside of four walls and they never take the gospel outside of those four walls. Then there are those churches that do try. And and I love those churches and many are sacrificial in what they do and they stand for life. My guest today is Pat Page and she's the Executive Director of the Privacy Center of Jasper, Georgia. And when you think about the churches today, and there are a lot of churches that just can't you know, deal with this issue, is there any reason that you can think of why churches try to avoid the issue whenever possible?
1: Well, we do have some churches that I'm acquainted with that do not want to address this topic because it's too personal. Mm-hmm. It's too close to home. Maybe it's, quote, political. Or I think there's a big fear of not knowing what to do with these women. Right. I think that they don't know how to help them. I think they um, are afraid to address this topic because it could cause people to stop coming to church if they take a stand against it. Right. Um, 40% of women that are so-called evangelical Christians sitting in the church pew have had abortions that they have not had resolution, resolution counseling for. And that is a huge number.
0: That is a huge number. And I mean, that that, that almost is a frightening summer. number. So, no, it, repeat it really that. Is. Repeat and that so statistic again. Make sure that everybody understands this. Forty
1: percent. Forty percent of women that are in evangelical churches have admitted to having an abortion. And I actually have talked with a couple of women, and they have said to me, "If there was a place like this when I was pregnant." I would have had my baby, mm. or we didn't know back in the day. A lot of these ladies are in their fifties and sixties and seventies, right? Because before ultrasound technology became so apparent, um, they didn't have any proof that there was a heartbeat, that there was a baby there.
0: Mm-hmm. They they were and told it so was a clump of cells, nothing to worry about yeah, here. It
1: was a clump of cells, and it's I mean, not alive. That's exactly, it's not. It's not alive. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So. Um, we had a counselor at one time, we had an advocate for what we called him, who was a counselor with us at one time whose father was a pastor and he drove her to the abortion clinic. She was in college and he was a pastor and he wanted, you know, pastors, I'm a preacher's kid, I understand. Oh my word, what will people think? We can't have a baby out of wedlock, so let's go get rid of it. Let's go get an abortion. And... You know, they're not even thinking straight. Well, I, I'm
0: sure that had. Thinking, I'm sure yeah. God can't bless a ministry that believes that. You know, I mean, that church oh could God. never be blessed.
1: No, you just deliberately killed your grandchild because of what people will think. And if we're, I think a lot of abortions are done in very prestigious families or spiritual mm-hmm. families, quote unquote, where people are in ministry we'll lose our reputation, we'll lose our ministry. No, you will not. You will, if you humble yourself and and repent, the Lord will bless you, and you can use that to help other people to take ownership of their sins and repent, confess, and be healed from them. So, you know, we're not. Who are we fooling when we, as believers, want to prohibit the sins from being? You know, when you're pregnant, it's kind of an obvious sin. You can have a lot of hidden sins, mm-hmm. but that is an obvious sin, and it's out there on the table. But I really do believe that people do not know what to do with that pregnant post-abortive woman or that pregnant woman. And we we do talk to pastors. We are here for you. We will come alongside you. We have post-abortion care mm-hmm. to walk these ladies through. Which is important. Rendering the secret. You know, I, I so I, important. I,
0: I, I see the argument all the time from the pro-choice side. Well, you know, who's gonna be there to raise this child and, and meet the expenses and this and that and the other? You know, it's all about, uh-huh. So, and, and I can think in my own life personally, how much my late wife and I invested in somebody to get them through wow. pregnancy. And, you know, we're talking yeah. almost a year's salary on my part that we had, we went in debt for. Wow. And so, yeah, there are people out there that do these kind of things. Um, But the church church needs to stand up. The church Church. has got to stand up.
1: The church has got to be willing to get their hands dirty and get involved. And, you know, we send people on missions trips and we spend money on, you know, fun days in the community, passing out things Mm -hmm. and giving jump houses for kids. But people are hurting. And people know that it's a place where you can come and be safe and, and, you know, talk about what you've been through. I don't. I really do not believe that most pastors know how to counsel their people. They do not. I. I don't know the numbers, but I know for a fact that seminaries spend. Somebody told me they spent one semester talking about counseling other people. How to counsel people in your church? And I don't know what they teach in seminary. Oh, a lot of business organization.
0: It's it's like yeah. how to run a business. <laughs> No, I, I'm. I'm. I'm not trip. being. I'm not being facetious in saying that. I mean, there is. Yeah, there's right. a level of teach. How do you teach? How do you preach? You know, exegesis and all this. You know, you learn the fundamentals of scripture. You learn of how course. to preach. You learn a lot of things, but how to deal with people, how to truly evangelize, is something that I've talked to other people in ministry about. They're not effective. They're 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 busy in what is called a maintenance religion, meaning that yeah. in other words, they come to a church that was built eighty years ago to be the continuing pastor of that church and hope that it'll be yeah. around in another eight or ten years, and and we wonder why the well, average retirement age of a pastor is in their forties when they hang it up and give it up. I mean wow. it, it, that's well, where if it there's is. There's no
1: discipleship. If there's no discipleship and there's no um, Teaching other people how to come alongside your brother and be there for them, and know, you know, with evangelism, uh, you also have to have discipleship. We get a lot, a lot of our clients. They got saved in a church and they got baptized, and they—that's the end of it. They did—they don't see the relevance of what it means to live mm-hmm. your life every day as a believer. They don't even know what baptism means. And we we take the time to say, you know, that's awesome that you were baptized. You realize that you just made an outward commitment of your commit of your faith in Christ, and do you even know what baptism really means? Most don't. And so we we they don't. And so um, we it's an outward profession of what God's done in your heart, and we want to teach you how that relates to your everyday life. God cares about your sex life. He cares about your friendships and your relationship. We had a a young man one time that said, I don't think God cares about my sex life. And I said, oh, let let us tell you, he knows everything that's going on in your life, everything. And, you know, when you don't live according to God's ways, you're going to suffer. There's going to be consequences Mm -hmm. because God's ways work. And they they get it. They're like, well, yeah, I, I know. And... They know it, but they're not willing to make the change or they haven't started seeking the Lord. But that's what we we desire for every one of our clients. And we ask them, we ask their permission to share the gospel. We ask their permission to pray with them. And every one of them, maybe except for one, in the 14 years I've been there, have mm-hmm. been receptive. Because they know their life is not what it should be. That's
0: right. You know, I, I was talking and, with a yeah. Christian college professor since retired and we were dealing with what is happening in the evangelical world and even in many so-called evangelical colleges and universities And, and one of the one of the problems that he pointed out and i never thought of it this way we have a generation of young people over the past you know four decades That now when they read something, they're injecting themselves into what they're reading. In other words, they interpret what they're reading to satisfy what they are wanting to get from what they're reading. Instead of letting the author of the piece tell you what that author is thinking, you're rethinking the author's work to satisfy you. And unfortunately, that has extended itself into the scripture you know and we're we're violating what what peter said that there's no private interpretation but yes apparently mm-hmm. in much of the evangelical world there is well those are just Bye. words written by men thousands of years ago they they're not they don't really understand the problems that i'm facing today and this is the kind of argument you consistently get and and, we're, and you, when you see it happening in bible colleges or christian schools yeah. that should be frightening <laughs> While we have a little bit of time here, how did you get involved in this kind of a ministry and and what really prompted you in that direction? And kind of just give a quick capsule of what you've been doing these past years.
1: Well, I have, um, until when when it became legal in 73, I was really out of the loop. I didn't really know what was going on, Mm -hmm. you know, that much. And then I guess a lot of it started when my husband and I married in 81, we were in a community. Um, some like-minded people said, we need to start a Right to Life chapter in our county because that's kind of what people were doing before there were so many pregnancy centers. Let's start a mm-hmm. Right to Life chapter. And we can get out there and um, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, you know, save babies and all that. So, so we started doing that, and then I just... I have always known in my heart, um, I've never had a, a, um, a baby that was born out of wedlock. None of my children have. It's not like I've walked through all these things, but I know that life is precious, mm-hmm. and I know that life has value. And that alone prompted me to fight for the unborn, just that alone. And I. so for years we were in the Right to Life movement as I was raising my children. And then when my youngest went to college, um, I felt like I'd worked myself out of a job and I thought I I need to do something, but I can't, I don't want to just go work somewhere. I want to do something that counts for life. And I've started uh, three days a week at the pregnancy center where I, where I serve now. And it's just, it's grown on me. I have such a passion to fight for the unborn. I have so many friends who've lost babies in childbirth or who have adopted children. Um, it's, in my circle of friends, there's a lot of babies that have been adopted through private mm-hmm. adoption. Mm-hmm. And it's just the call of the Lord upon my life. It's no real traumatic thing that happened or some big vision or whatever. It's just, this is common sense. We fight for the helpless. Um, and that's what the Lord tells us to do. And I I, I, mean, I kind of have an administrative bent. And so I thought, well, if I can... If I can make a difference, if I can help with a pregnancy center, if I can be um, the motivation behind it, motivating, if I can motivate other people, you know, passion motivates people. Mm-hmm. And if you have a passion for what you're doing, I am not a saleswoman, but let me tell you, I can sell what we're doing to the center because I am passionate about it. It is. Oh, there is no doubt you are.
0: There's no doubt. Now, I just want to let my, well, my list, we, Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No, and I mean somebody was saying How do, about talking about marketing, and I said you can market anything you're passionate about. And if I give people a tour of my center and tell them what we're doing and show them mm-hmm. the difference that it's making to be there, they are blown away. Like, wow, I didn't know y'all did all this. And I said we do, and our numbers have tripled in the last few months of girls and and also men that are coming to our center. So I know that word of mouth is our biggest biggest tool and facebook and that we we don't have to hang up a banner or a sign Mm -hmm, or anything mm -hmm. word of mouth and so the lord has just continued to increase the numbers of people that come and want help and they always love it they feel loved they feel like there's a community over there that gets me that understands me that's here for me and i mean what how could you not love that you know
0: i know My guest today is Pat Page, and she is the executive director of the Pregnancy Center in Jasper, Georgia, which is north of the city of Atlanta, kind of what, northwest, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. How many years have you been in the Jasper area now? And also, give the contact information. I know you got a really cute website address, babyontheway.org, am I right, babyontheway.org, um, how can they find out more about the work that you are doing there and maybe learn about some of the work some other people can be doing where they're at?
1: Well, we have in my 14th year and I'm grateful to be serving as executive director there and with wonderful staff. And I believe that almost every community has a pregnancy center. If you know anyone in your life, in your sphere of influence, that is struggling with parenting or pregnancy or post abortion, just Google pregnancy centers in my area and you should be able to find something that's maybe less than an hour or maybe even down the street from you because there are literally hundreds and hundreds of pregnancy centers Mm -hmm. around and in every state and hopefully in every community. So go to their website, read their statement of faith, see what they do. Um, There's never a reason that a girl that's pregnant and doesn't know what she she wants to do, she doesn't know her options, at least let them go for a free consultation of loving, caring people. And ask them about abortion. They'll tell you all about abortion. It's not a secret. you You need to know what you're getting into if you choose abortion. But you also need to know that there's hope. And there's people that care. And these are all free resources, free ultrasounds, free baby supplies, free counseling. It's all free and funded by wonderful donors like all of you out there. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Um, and then even if you have had multiple children and you need help with uh, life skills, we, we have people come in and want to work on their finances, want to work on relationships. Um, there's just all kind of wonderful resources. And the church, I know, can't do everything. And we're not a church. And the ultimate goal is to encourage our clients to get involved in a good Bible-believing local church where they can meet new friends and grow in the Lord. I mean, that is really the ultimate goal after we've served them.
0: And my guest today has been Pat Page. She is the executive director of the Pregnancy Center in Jasper, Georgia. Once again, let me give you the web page, which can then give you the contact information if you want to find out more. And it's simply babyontheway.org, babyontheway.org. You know, for many decades, Christians have, well, for lack of a better term, have talked a good game around the issue of life. I mean, that's the only way to put it. And and many churches have decided to sit on the fence and not take a stand. And, and I look over the years, churches that were once very faithful proclaimers of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ many have departed, many have fallen away many have abandoned the faith once delivered to the saints and they abide by what is what St. Paul warns Timothy about, the day will come and they're going to heap upon teachers to themselves hearing what they want Inevitably, what that really means, they want to be able to live in their sin and somehow believe that God is really cool with me and my sin and the way that I want to live. I don't have to live a righteous and holy and biblical life. I can can do as I please. And I'm going to come to a church that says I can continue in my sin and they're going to celebrate my sin. We see it in so many aspects of where the church has fallen down. You know, 60 years ago, If people were just living together, the church spoke out. Now today, they just ignore it. It's okay. Not a problem. Our culture has become totally post-Christian. And frankly, it's become very evil. Many churches are now pro-abortion. I I know there's some evangelical Lutheran churches in America. They're, They're out there blessing abortion clinics. They have these lesbian pastors in front just screaming, we must have abortion. We demand it. And others that make false biblical claims that God is just great with abortion. Yet I can bring you to verse after verse in the scripture, Old and New Testament, that go against that, but they'll deny it. They're believing the lie, as the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, unto their own damnation. St. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, which is, the, the city of Corinth is like a modern-day city in America. It is pretty degenerate. And some awful things were going on. And here's what he told his people in Corinth. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. What agreement can exist between the temple of God and idols? You know, we have the synagogue of Satan now in many of these churches. We're worshiping Moloch in many of these churches. They don't even know it. For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them. And I'll be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I think we've lost sight of something incredible, and many churches have fallen short. If you're in a church like that, get out. If you're in a church that believes in abortion, do you believe in the work we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? I need to hear from you. If you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. The city is Crestview, Crestview, Florida. The zip code in Crestview is 32536. That's 32536. You can also support us from the website. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more...